The Pace Line Podcast is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health conscious people get special life insurance rates. Go to healthiq.com forward slash paceline to support the show and learn more. And the Pace Line is supported by LAL Cycling. The coast is calling. LAL Shore Collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LAL products are crafted right here in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now on to the show. Check our treat. Hello, Paceliners. Hottie here, Michael Hotton. It is Halloween at the Hottie household. And as always, it has been a busy, busy night here uh, at the Hottie household with Mrs. Hottie handing out the candy and me, of course, doing nothing uh, except for observing uh, the many costumes we've had here. Oh, Mrs. Hottie, we've had what? We've had turtles. What are those? Ninja turtles? Ninja turtles. Lots of ninjas. Uh, princesses. What else? What about the Moana, Darth Vader? Darth Vader, stormtroopers. You got a lot. A couple Dodgers. But what gives here? No cyclist. No one dresses up as a cyclist for Halloween. We got In and Out guy. We got no SWAT cyclist. Team. Wait, we want a cy- Wait, I have a plan. Why don't we jump on our lycra <laughs> and run around door to door? And grab candy. That way we can offset all this candy you've given away. I know what you could be. Crash victim cyclist. Yeah, that's true. I am uh, currently crash victim cyclist. I have the road rash to prove it. I'm certainly, I could gather a ton of candy the way I look in my lacquer. Anyhow, folks, enjoy the show. We're enjoying Halloween here on the Pace Line. Paceline, the podcast on two wheels. Patrick, Hottie, and me, Fatty. This is show number 89 of the official podcast of Red Kai Prayer. And of course, if you haven't already subscribed, honestly, guys, I just don't know what's going to make you subscribe. <laughs> but happy Halloween, everyone. Hottie, yep. how'd you dress up, man? How'd I dress up? Yeah, I assumed that you went to n- n- numerous parties and whatnot. Right. You're in L.A. You are in the land of Halloween parties. Well, first of all, L.A. is absorbed totally consumed by dodgers baseball right now uh by the time folks hear this podcast some of have won the world series but uh the world series has consumed this town so i'll have to say halloween was a bit diluted uh even for a very popular neighborhood like ours where we get hundreds of kids uh showing up for candy but because uh, the world series was on the night of halloween um and i could go on and on about baseball as you folks know uh, i love baseball yeah. And therefore, I parked it in front of the couch and with one arm handed out Snickers and with the other kept my hand on the remote, watched the game, handed out candy. But uh, hey, I love Halloween and folks were recording this show the day after Halloween. So a bit of a Halloween hangover going around here. Um, but yeah, very Got the post Halloween. Oh, you know, yeah, it was a very active, still a very active night here. Um, at the hottie household, handing out candies. My wife does a great job. She dresses the place up, puts the cobwebs up. We have this fake hand we stuff outside our mailbox. Um, if the <laughs> World Series is not on, I'll generally rock the place with some Ozzy Osbourne or something like that. So we have a good time with it usually. <laughs> but hell, it was a very important baseball game on, so I was doing my thing. But that said, you know, I love observing the costumes and actually, Fatty, some friends of ours, some folks that you know, and I've met too. I met them in actually in Montana, the Iversons, uh, Al and, oh, yeah. and Patty Iverson. You know them, right? Great mountain bike. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Go. Met them at uh, Leadville several times. They've each done the race numerous times. They've done RKP. They're yeah, good friends. Yeah, they're great people. Uh, fantastic mountain bikers. They go all over the place entering events. Oh, yeah. And evidently, they really get into the... The Halloween spirit. Uh, for Halloween, Patty Iverson went as Wonder Woman. She looks spectacular, by the way. She's in great shape, so she really had the part going. Uh, and then Al was dressed up as as Thor. You know, Thor, the Thunder Perfect. God, and he is Thor in Lycra. I mean, the man. Oh yeah, is just Al is. He is Thor in real life. Yeah, he, the dude is a bodybuilder. He, <laughs> he really is. But uh, the but the the great thing about their costumes is is Patty made it. Well, she made the Thor costume. Uh, Al was in. She says it took her twelve hours. 
Uh, the most amazing part of it was the centerpiece of that costume. It was made out of, out of bike tubes. So the centerpiece of the costume is that, that chest protector that Thor wears, you know? It, and it looks so heavy, you know, you could you think you could barely stand an, an hour in it, let alone slay uh, dragons and gods and what have you. But he had this, this chest protector that she made, took her 12 hours to make it, and she made it out of leftover bike tubes. She said she had a bag of 26-inch tubes, and who's going to use those anymore, right? Might as well do something with them, like <laughs> turn them into a Thor costume. And she did. I mean, and, and they look fantastic. So appreciate the spirit. They're, I think they're Paceline listeners. I know they're RKP readers, so uh, hats off to them, the, the Iverson couple, for getting oh, yeah. in the spirit and using bike material. To, to make their costumes. I love that stuff. Which got me to thinking, guys, about, about cyclists and about Halloween. I mean, for instance, the kids that show up at our front door, uh, you don't see a cyclist. No one dresses up in Lycra and runs around and, and gets candy. And, and it, I got to thinking about it. I'm like, <laughs> as cyclists, as we go, as, as a group of people, we're always in costume. And we don't need Halloween costumes. I mean, look at most of us. We're natural skeletons, aren't we? We're, we're skeletons by nature. We have these funny, scary-looking tans. We dress up funny. We put stiff shoes on, and we walk around like Frankenstein half the time. We don't need costumes for Halloween. We just go as our natural selves. We are Halloween. Psychos. That is a fantastic point. You know, my favorite Halloween-related tradition is on the bike, though. There is a long-standing tradition called Halloween. Uh, the Thursday or a couple of days before Halloween each year, a number of us, and the number gets larger and larger each year, go on a night mountain bike ride mm. in costume uh, and then have donuts or go out to an IHOP or something afterward. Mm -hmm. And as always, it was fantastic. Uh, I dressed up as Superman uh, uh, or something resembling Superman. <laughs> is. <laughs> Uh, the hammer dressed up as Wonder Woman, and there was, um, you know, Mario was there. There was a guy dressed up as a box of donuts, which was perfect. Uh, a guy dressed up as an angry baby, um, it, which was a fantastic costume idea, but there was a problem. He, he had a large adult-sized diaper on, and you never would think about it until you're actually riding in a large adult adult sized diaper but that diaper isn't going to last when you're on your bike and standing up sitting down on your saddle moving around the thing was completely shredded before we got to the end of the first climb <laughs> not a good chamois <laughs> yeah oh. yeah not a, not a perfect chamois but yuck um, <laughs> but uh it, a lot of fun so yeah halloween uh and cycling uh i'm all for it and doing doing a night ride uh is a cool way to celebrate mm -hmm. Uh, sort of the end of the end of the mountain biking season. Mm -hmm. I love night riding. I got to do it more often than I do. It's, yeah, it here, here on that, mm -hmm. it is spooky, <laughs> and I get spooked by it. <laughs> well, that maybe sort of kind of leads into the very important question okay. for this uh, for this week, guys. Uh, of course, everyone who listens to the Paceline knows that we conduct very important research every week into cycling culture and riding techniques. This time, a fairly obvious question. When was the last time you had a bad crash, whether it be on a night ride or else, uh, or, or whether you're on the road, on mountain, whenever. Uh, when was the last time you had a bad crash? I posted this on Twitter. We've got already got uh, north of 50 votes. And the answers, the possible answers are less than a month ago, currently at 0%, which is interesting. 12% 12, uh, 12 are saying sometime this season. 40% are saying it's been years. That's, uh, that's kind of nice mm -hmm. that so many, of our, uh, so many of our listeners and readers are, have uh, been that safe for that long. But 47%, so darn near half, have the same answer I have, which is stop jinxing me, man. <laughs> I just don't even like to talk about crashes. <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah. I'm, but I'm a Hottie, little C and a little D. <laughs> <laughs> and Hadi, I understand that as soon as you take the poll, that 0% of less than a month ago is going to have to change. Uh, afraid so. Look, if you're not crashing, you're not trying, are you? <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not uh, sure I support that. <laughs> that was true in skateboarding, cycling, yeah, less right. so. 
currently, I'm uh, recording this episode with a sling. Um, oh. Left arm is in a sling. Um, what other problems do I have? Well, that's that's the that's the majority of it. Some scabs going on here, a little road rash. Yeah, what does that all add up to? That adds up to a crash. Uh, actually, this would be my second crash in uh, a couple of months. I think was it late August? Uh, so th- I had a kid run into me on a bike path and take me out. Oh, no. And then this would have been uh, about as we're recording right now, um, twelve days ago, ten days ago. We, a small group of us, had just turned on to Pacific Coast Highway, and um, I knew everyone in the group except one guy. <laughs> Um, and as we rolled on to PCH, the pace started to pick up a little bit. Uh, I was riding at the back of a you know, six-person ride, which isn't normally not dangerous. Uh, but as things accelerated, um, this unknown rider in our group had one hand on the bars and one hand on his bottle. And his front tire hit, of all things, a sprinkler head that probably had fallen off a truck. Uh, mm-hmm. That washed out his front. And before I knew it, he was on the ground in front of me. And um, I collided with him. Sorry, not getting choked up. <coughs> Just choking, that's all. <laughs> I collided with him, uh, went flying, and landed on the, in the right lane of Pacific Coast Highway. Uh, landed on the left Oof. shoulder. Um, oh, boy. Was not, uh, the first instinct was, get out of the lane. Don't get hit by a car. Uh, of course, my buddies are running up next to me going, no, sit still, sit. I'm like, don't sit still. This is, this is a highway here. I want to get out of the way. Um, and luckily, I was, you know, I was okay enough to, to scooch myself out of uh, the right-hand lane of PCH and onto the shoulder. Um, and actually bounced up uh, fairly quickly. Actually, I got up faster than I did when the kid hit me head-on on the bike path. I wasn't as dazed. <laughs> Uh, but it turns out I'm I'm much worse off. I mean, there's, I'm not getting back on the bike as quickly as I did from that first crash. Turns out I have a fractured scapula, and I've uh, I have a fracture at the clavicle where the it's in the joint actually where the clavicle meets the sternum. It's called I think the sternoclavicular joint. So I fractured that area too, and that produces a nice lump. You actually get a second Adam's apple out of the deal. So you get your normal Adam's apple in the middle of your throat, and you got one offset there, too. Uh, so I got that little guy going. Uh, it should wow. kind of recede after a while. Uh, and then the scapula, you know, it's, it's just going to be all non-surgical stuff, but, you know, for now it's a sling and very little mobility and obviously no riding. And there you go, Fatty. Put that in your pole and, and smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I am sorry, Hottie. That is no fun. No. So are you riding on the trainer? You just saying, hey, it's end of season and I'm just going to heal up mm-hmm. and this is a good opportunity for me to just get it actual off season? Or how are you approaching this from a from a perspective of what next? Yeah, well, I'm going to let the doctor kind of dictate what next. Like he's probably going to tell me, here is how many weeks you need to be off the bike and then I'll decide whether mm-hmm. I really want to bore myself on a trainer, and it's really not necessary at this point. I, I don't think I need to. I think the best thing to do is to take the time off. Actually, Saturday or this past Saturday, I did a seven-mile hike with the wife. Uh, it was fine, you know. I can do other things, and that's probably where I'll go. Is I'll probably just take the time, chill, walk, hike, if I, you know, if I'm allowed to do that, and and proceed that way. If you'll let me go in the gym. Do some leg workout. I'll probably do some yeah. of that as well. That's fine. I don't, you know, I don't stress um, about that. So I know that you, we all have friends who, when they crash, they think the end of the world is coming, and that they're because they don't get back in the saddle, they're going to lose everything that they ever were. It's just not true. I mean, you're just out. That's it, Patrick. Yeah. You know that you had a bad crash a local here once. It must have laid you out for a long time. It's just the way it is. You know. Yep. You know that's a not half bad perspective. <laughs> I uh, I have never had a serious crash and knocking on wood here, um, so I'm I'm the guy who's saying to myself, "Don't jinx yourself." But um, you know, it's anything can be pre- reacted to as an as an opportunity, right? Yeah. You take the opportunity to go out, do some hiking, do some rafting, maybe not some rafting. Not rafting. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Depending on what, you know what, what I, happens, you know what I right. miss though. Out of all this, is I've uh, my bike commute 
is eight miles one way. And it was just super uh, easy. And it was super easy to ride in and ride home. Uh, California mm-hmm. gas prices suck. They just raised the gas tax around here. So I was saving a few bucks. It was a nice way to start off the day. And that's been taken away from me. So more than the going out and riding with the guys or going out for a mountain bike ride, immediately that's what I'm missing. And I'm so I have been scheming a little bit like, how can I how could I maybe still ride to work? Is there a way to do it? Like, could I get a bike, an up more upright bike that doesn't make me reach out and put weight on, on my shoulder area, maybe an e-bike, right? You know, an e-bike means a lot less stress. I could let the, the <laughs> motor do more of the work. Um, so I, I've been trying to scheme that way. Like, I mean, is there a way maybe I could still ride back and forth to work? Huh? So, and e-bikes, well, y- yes, e-bikes y- is is one of yeah. our topics today. Thank goodness, it is. You can ride an e-bike because you are in California. Yeah. Well, legally, but... I can. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but if you're in New York City, that would be a crime. And yeah. That's what we got to talk about right now because mm-hmm. that is nuts. I'm not a big fan of e-biking for mountain biking, but you know, say you're a delivery person or you're a commuter. Seems to me like an e-bike is perfect for that. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? <clears throat> well, so the thing is that e-bikes have been illegal in New York City basically since water. Uh, the way they classify them, they're classified the same as mopeds or motorcycles. They don't differentiate them as something akin to a bicycle. And I remember uh, I've had a conversation and Hadi has also had a conversation uh, with one of the real movers in the e-bike industry, Larry Peasy. And, you know, I remember him telling the, me that, you know, when the when the legislation was passed in California, making e-bikes legal and, you know, defining the three classifications, he said, now what we have to do is now that we have this, we have to go to New York and get them to pass similar legislation because right now e-bikes are illegal there. And he told me that and the back of my head fell off. I just, I couldn't fathom why a bicycle with an electric motor helping you along would be illegal. But that's the fact. The thing is, they weren't really enforcing the law before. Now, Mayor de Blasio has decided, nope, we're going to enforce the law. And they're not only giving people tickets, they're seizing the bikes. Now, a cheap e-bike, you know, can be $1,800. So this is something, you know, I, I get that New York is going through a real scare right now as a result of yet another terrorist attack, one that took out cyclists as well. Um, that's, you know, that's an awful thing for the city. This is a separate matter entirely. And, you know, in the annals of too soon, I don't think this is too soon. This is worth talking about. I, the, whatever we want to define as evil in this world, e-bikes, not among them. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I mean, uh, the, the issue I guess New York is facing and what de Blasio is leaning on here is he has constituents and people in the city complaining that there's uh, this e-bike pedestrian conflict, that the e-bikes are moving so quickly that it's causing a safety issue. I think he got most of his complaints from the Upper West Side or something like that. Not that it matters what, what sector of the city it came from, but that's what he's leaning on right now. Now, he was asked... Uh, during a press conference when he announced that they would be going after more e-bikes. In fact, there are fines involved here. You could get fined 500 bucks in the city if you're caught riding an e-bike. Businesses can face fines too if they're caught using e-bikes for deliveries or as part of their business. So he is. this is not just some threat like, you know, stop riding your e-bikes. I mean, they're putting teeth into this with fines and by getting the commissioner of the NYPD to go after these machines and confiscate them and then write tickets as well. And they're leaning on the, the whole safety issue. They, they're claiming, and it's, look, we've been to New York City. You know how congested it is there. It's it's a troublesome place to get around. They have real space issues. Um, and of course, they have, they have issues with taxis driving too fast, too. There's lots of issues there. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, anytime there's you know you if you run into a conflict like uh, like this, somebody might react. Now the problem is when the mayor was asked, okay, do you have data that shows that somehow e-bikes are causing an increased number of crashes, more injuries, something like that that directly connects e-bikes to uh, a statistic? He could not come up with that, so he owes yeah, it. Yeah, they I don't think, have them. Yeah, he owes yeah. it to. Uh, the citizens of New York and, and anybody who cares about your bikes at least produce something. It says, look, here's our problem. It's quantifiable. And, and that's why we are, we are targeting this sector of bicycle and these type of bike riders. You know, the problem I have is resorting to reactionary politics in New York city is kind of the worst plan. There's no place on earth. Well, that's not true. There's no place in the U S where having solid data to make informed policy decisions is more necessary or helpful. I mean, look, if you can imagine people being upset about something, there's somebody in New York upset about that thing. There are people on the West side who are upset that the sun rises in the East because buildings block their view of the sunrise. Okay. This is just, this is really silly. And when you think about what is it that an e-bike does typically it takes somebody out of a car. What's the problem in New York? Congestion. So this is an opportunity to get people out of cars. Some people would probably not take public transit, so you might remove some people from the subway system. But the thought that you know this is a problem for congestion is really pretty silly because what an e-bike usually does is allow someone not to be in a device with four wheels. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been looking at e-bikes I don't more and more. That you should, Patrick, uh, since you have left this town, I think if you came back here and, and, and walked around for a few days and rode your bike, you'd be amazed at how many e-bikes have come on the scene. They are everywhere. And what I'm seeing are people in dress clothing looking. I, I haven't asked them, but it looks like they're going back and forth to work or running errands or doing normal things, mm-hmm. not fitness things. Not They are using these things to get stuff done that otherwise would happen in cars. And and the rise of e-bikes in, in L.A. and California is pretty amazing right now. And it can be duplicated, but they need to be legitimized. Yeah. Yeah. They do. For sure. Don't fight it, man. They're the future. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing about this conversation is uh, us casting around. So like, so who's going to take the opposing viewpoint? We're all like, nope, not me. (laughs) Hey, how about if three guys get together and uh, agree on something? (laughs) Well, I'm happy to present an opposing view if I can find the rationality in it. If I can't find a rational basis for a viewpoint, I'm just not even going to waste my time. And it may be there. It just, they need to come up with it then more than just saying, well, we've heard. Oh, how, well, mm. how many, where, when, what's the severity? That's what they need to, that's what they need to find. It's if almost people like, are being, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's almost like when they tried to pass a helmet law here in California, somebody just thought it was a good idea, right? Oh, it's a good idea. Sounds like a good idea, but can you quantify it? Can you tell me, okay, these are the injury stats. Here's what we think we can reduce by making people wear helmets. Okay. Yep. Then I could be for that. And if e-bikes are clearly a danger, and they're hurting people, okay, let's produce those goods and let's produce those numbers, and then maybe we talk about something. Yeah, but just because it seems like a bad idea to you doesn't mean it's a bad idea. Some people just can't see things that way. Let's go to a quick break right now, guys, and when we come back, we're going to talk about a little follow-up on fire and more, all right here on The Pace Line. Thank you. Happy Halloween. Chances are, if you're listening to this, you're a cyclist. And because you're a cyclist, you can save up to 25.5% on your life insurance by purchasing it through Health IQ. In addition to all the usual information you give for insurance, such as age, gender, height, weight, 
and nicotine use. The amount of writing you do each week is considered, and you can take quizzes that may reduce your payments further. It turns out that knowing what it takes to be fit has its own value. Health IQ knows that people who ride have an 18% lower risk of heart disease, a 28% lower risk of overall mortality, and a 45% lower risk of cancer. So drop by healthiq.com forward slash paceline podcast to get your free no obligation quote. And the pace line is back. Patrick, it's been kind of a hot late summer for you, hasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, our fall has actually maybe been a little warmer than our summer was. Um, the city is trying to yeah. get back to normal post fires. Um, I heard today that we actually have 100% containment on all of the major fires at this point. Tubbs, Nuns, Pocket, and uh, I, I forget what the other. Uh, yeah, the Atlas, Atlas fire. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So good piece of news. Yeah. It's it is really good. I mean, there continue to be just tragic pieces of news that come out of this. You know, remains found. Uh, there was a high school girl up in Mendocino County. Uh, who lost her life. Her brother had lost her, uh, his life. The parents are still in induced comas uh, and don't know the fate of their children. So there, there are stories that are just unbelievably tragic here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you yeah. know, the, the good news part is that uh, our, community, our community has come together and people have reached out in support of us from all over the nation, uh, I bet all over the world, I can't say that for certain, but the King Ridge Foundation with its Sonoma Pride campaign has raised almost $250,000 at this point. It's an unbelievable effort on their part. Um, let's see, we are up to somewhere on the order of 40 uh, different breweries that are in for the Sonoma Pride campaign. And it's reached far beyond what Sonoma County has to offer. Because, I mean, at this point, we've got Altamont Beer Works, Firestone Walker, Arizona Wilderness. It's, I mean, I think at this point, all of the different breweries in Sonoma County are in. But the reach well beyond our little hamlet is most impressive. And, you know, people keep dreaming up other creative ways to try to help us, to help tell the story. There's an immensely talented portrait photographer down in L.A., Roman Cho, who contacted me. And I've been helping to put him in contact with people. He's doing a series of portraits to help tell the story uh, of the the fires here. And um, he's met with some cyclists I know. Uh, I sat for a portrait with him Yesterday, he's going to meet with Carlos Perez of Bike Monkey and the King Ridge Foundation. He's going to get together with Levi Leipheimer, it looks like, as well as Scott Nickel of Ibis. So it's uh, the three images I've seen so far are most impressive and I think will be um, a dramatic way to tell the story in yet another manner. Also, the King Ridge Foundation uh, worked uh, to produce a little mini documentary uh, to help explain the the Sonoma Pride campaign and you know the the depth of the loss here and I'll I'll put that uh, video up in our show notes so that people can check it out. Um, but you know one of the more encouraging experiences for me was to go out for a ride last week with my buddy Jeremiah Kamosun. Uh Jeremiah. Uh, is the executive director of the BRAD Foundation, which is one of the beneficiaries of funding that comes out of the King Ridge Foundation, which is the charity arm of Bike Monkey and Levi's Fondo. And the BRAD Foundation typically takes kids out for uh, adventures, underprivileged kids, kids who wouldn't ordinarily be out in the great outdoors you know, doing rock climbing or riding bikes or going surfing. So 
he takes these kids out and, you know, begins uh, teaching them another way to engage with the world. And, but, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, he's doing all this great stuff. Part of what the BRAD Foundation is doing is accepting requests from locals uh, to replace the bikes their children have lost. And I'm mm-hmm. also going to include a link for that. You know, and sure, he's doing this great stuff, but Jeremiah himself lost his home in Coffee Park. And, you know, he was maybe literally the first person I thought of once I heard that Coffee Park had been hit. You know, I've ridden over to his house to go out for rides with him. And of the great many cyclists who opened their hearts to me when I moved here, oh man, um, Jeremiah was one of the first. Um, and he's one of the closer friends that I've made since I've been here. Uh, so we went out for a ride last week. And I got caught up on what he's been up to. Here we go. Okay, so Jeremiah, we're standing in a ferry ring uh, of redwoods out here, West County, Sonoma. Um, tell our listeners where this place is you've taken me. <laughs> well, I, I would have to first claim the first rule of Fight Club. I think that's more, <laughs> most appropriate. Because uh, I know all my, my boys would be pretty... Uh, perturbed if I was to divulge exactly where we are, but uh, we're standing in a place that, that means a lot for a whole lot of people, for people that have just moved here, or for people who have just needed a place to, to feel like they can ground out next to some redwoods. Yeah, well, that's the thing. So yeah. our county's just been through it, yeah. and you more than many, unfortunately, um, And so, yeah, I wanted to get you out because you're remarkable to me, dude, you know, let's, let's not beat around the bush. You lost everything. And what do you do? You land a new place to live and you turn around and you immediately start helping other people. Um, (laughs) yeah, I, I, I can't, I just can't get over it. Um, and I don't, I don't want to make light of it, but it's remarkable to me that immediately after picking yourself up, the next thing you do is you start looking out for other people. So maybe we should back up a little bit. Talk to us about the BRAD Foundation that you head up. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, well, yeah, one, just, just want to honor you, Patrick, for even just acknowledging the critical nature of our recent timeline. Um, it, it has hit pretty close to home. And uh, the last time I experienced a chaotic event like this, was a little over three and a half, three and a quarter years ago when my best friend passed away in a tragic rock climbing accident. And uh, we decided, his, his family and closest friends, that we wanted to do something about it because he was just too incredible of a man to not honor in that way. But we had no idea what direction we were going. And what we've, we've done in the, the, the time being is we've, we've created a nonprofit that supports kids and supports communities. And we have a chapter here in Sonoma County, and we have a chapter in Kauai. And we focus on giving young kids who have had some difficulties and been dealt a rough deck of cards um, the opportunities to go and be in wild places um, through adventure and to, to learn what it means to be a steward of not only our bodies, but of our to wherever we live. And uh, the mission has just become more and more clear with every year. And so last two years we've actually been really blessed to be working with the king ridge foundation and uh you know as a uh, a beneficiary organization under them being able to get brand new bikes for in the last two years 43 kids that came through our programs got brand new mountain bikes wow that we could take out and you know kids that have never even learned to ride a bike and they're 16 or 17 and we're giving them something that allows for them to be mobile and independent and confident for the rest of their lives. Um, so the idea of the bicycle and its connection to where you and I are standing right now, you know, it's got to start somewhere. And when, it's, when I got on the bike, it, it helped me figure out my life. And we're just trying to give kids that are struggling with that same question a little heads up, this might work. Yeah, yeah, for real. Now, let's talk about in the near term, mm-hmm the way the BRAD Foundation is responding to the fires. Yeah. What, what is it you're doing in the short term that's different from what you normally do? Well, you know, it was kind of like a all hands on deck, but we didn't really know where anybody was for the first week because of the fact the fires were so widespread and 
you know, my family had to evacuate with about five or so minutes of, of notice and leave everything. And it's, you know, it's, it's easy to say it's just stuff. And there's moments where I can really truly feel that. And there's other times where I really miss things. But what it's reminded me of is that how much excess we actually live in. Because at the end of the day, I got out the most important things. I got my children out and my wife got out and my, I got my dogs and the rest of it, it's, it's just material goods. But when we try to talk about, you know, how we're helping the community out, it's, it's got to, you got to look forward. And so we're working with King Ridge and, and working with their Sonoma Pride uh, campaign at uh, sonomapride.com. Go there, check it out. I mean, there's over, it's approaching $200,000 already raised. Yep. Um, and the three pillars under that right now that they're raising funds for are, um, you know, financial aid. Do you need something just to get you through <laughs> today, right? Or the next week? Um, there's a, you know, hard goods. Do you need clothing? Whatever you might need in that way or, or, or basic necessities. And then there's the project that, that B-Rad will be working specifically on, which I'm really, um, I'm really honored to be a part of because uh, it, hits, it hits home. I mean, we're going to be helping to get kids throughout the county of Napa and Sonoma who lost their bikes in a fire. Uh, we're going to be trying to put a bike under every Christmas tree. We're going to be trying to put a bike in every every home for a kid that is just bouncing off the walls because they just went through the most chaotic event of their life, their young life, and they just want to move. So why not give them the opportunity to move in such a positive and, you know, and healing way? That's why we're here right now. I mean, my head's reeling, yeah. and I needed some headspace, and I was like, Patrick, dude, let's go. Let's go. I want to go somewhere, and you know, that's the beauty of the bike is it's that simple. Yeah. Wow, oh, man. Uh you know, while I look forward to doing what I can to help, uh, our readers and listeners have stepped up in a big way. And, uh, you know, uh, it's nice to see how our, our, our tribe has rallied on this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the community um, response. It's really interesting when you see, you know, communities coming out of areas that might have been ravaged with divisive politics being hit with hurricanes or whatever it is and you see everyone just come out and you just see each other as human but you know Sonoma County is an incredible place and the level of love and support for one another regardless of background or whatever context you want um, it, it's absolutely floored me and to be on the receiving end of some of that I just for anyone out there that's listening that's helped me out directly I just want to say thank you I really appreciate it and that includes you Patrick happy to do my part small though it is yeah <laughs> hey, it's all the small pieces that add up cool man so what are we doing next are we getting back on coleman valley or are we going down this fire road Shh. <laughs> 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 it's good to laugh about something so that was my friend jeremiah Kamelson, who is the executive director of the brad foundation and uh, amazing guy you know, like I said, he's lost everything and uh, he's just now securing new housing for himself, but he's busy rounding up bikes for kids who lost theirs in the fire. It's a pretty remarkable effort on his part. And so uh, hopefully, you know, people will reach out and support the King Ridge Foundation, uh, which will in turn help out the BRAD Foundation. Cool. I have interesting guy too i love the project i mean just in general never mind the fires sound like he was doing great work prior to the fires and now with this tragedy in his face here's a guy who's really stepped up in a big way even though he's lost so much patrick is it is it b-rad how does he do it b-rad i'm not totally familiar with the foundation i'll i'll include a link okay. uh in our show notes so that people can go directly there and not have to worry about that yeah. Cool. And I, I also did, I went back and checked and the number of breweries that are participating in the Sonoma Pride uh, campaign is 58. Okay. Yeah. So uh, up from the 33 when we recorded two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Remarkable. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really is. It's amazing how many times you see that it takes a a disaster, a tragedy to bring out the best in people. And this is definitely another example of that. Uh, clearly an outstanding person uh, and that it takes something like this to get attention onto, onto the cause. That's sad, but uh, you watch. Uh, a lot of good is going to come out of this. That's awesome to see. 
Let's go on to the paceline picks, guys. Uh, Patrick, I know yeah. you've been talking, but we're still going to make you go first. Okay. You, you don't get a break. <laughs> That's all right. Well, this past weekend, you know, I got a little uh, a little break from all the campfire smell and uh, occasional still falling ash. And I went to Bentonville, Arkansas for the Outdoor Blogger Summit. Um, it was a chance to kind of hear how other sites do things, you know, learn a little bit about best practices and, you know, some strategy here and there. Uh, but the cool thing, uh, I can't say I entirely thought this at the opening, but, um, uh, they had awards for, uh, for blogs, what they want to eventually become kind of the Academy Awards for blogs. And, uh, it was one of those things that I didn't really want to nominate myself or anything, but apparently someone nominated RKP and we made the finals. And I thought, wow, that's kind of wild and impressive. Uh, but we were up against Bike Rumor and Lone Wolf. And I figured, well, you know, we're, we're not the hip new kid on the block. Somebody else is going to win. I were wrong. <laughs> we won. Ah. We've been named the best blog in cycling uh, by the Outdoor Blogger Summit. And these are people who know their blogs. Uh, so it was funny, the, the the wave of amazement and pleasure that washed over me when I saw our name up there. I was I was pretty surprised, but also really grat- uh, gratified. Mm-hmm. And I didn't expect to have that uh, reaction. I honestly, I said to a friend, I really hope they don't say my name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I can no longer report that I have any idea why I would say such a thing. <laughs> um, yeah, don't take these things for granted. I know it's easy to kind of go, ah, oh, it's nothing. I do, I've done the same thing with news awards and my media stuff, Patrick. You deserve it. You just got to look at it and go, I deserve this. I've done a lot of work on this damn thing. I'm glad somebody sees it, recognizes it, honors it. Um, because it is important and it's something you can, you can show to other people. Go, Look, we are who we say we are. We are good. Um, sometimes people need that little selling point for some reason, but hats off. Congratulations. Chapeau as we sometimes like to say. Well yeah, done. Heck well, yeah. Thanks. You know, the funny thing for me is, I mean, yeah, that's nice. Uh, what I'm really focused on right now, aside from trying to write new posts, is the fact that there are 18 boxes downstairs of cycling gear that have been shipped to me. And I there's so much that I haven't really even begun inventorying it all yet. Uh, but people have been shipping us stuff from all over the country. There are RKP readers. You know, it's, yeah, it's nice to get the outside recognition. What really blows me away far more than that are the way our readers have turned out for fellow cyclists that they've never met. Absolutely. It, 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 like I said, uh, some really good things coming out of the bat. And uh, again, congratulations on a, on a big deal award. That is really, really cool. I'm going to go ahead and go next for my paceline pick. My paceline pick is super old. It is my single speed mountain bike. Uh, since, uh, since Leadville, I think I have just not wanted to ride with gears at all. Uh, I know single speeding was big a few years ago and it's kind of no longer big, but I tell you what guys, um, I have a fairly old single speed mountain bike set up 3418. It is fantastic for where I ride, you know, kind of moderate grade, big climbs, and it is just so quiet and so nice and so, um, I don't know, just single focus is what you get when you ride single speed. So um, it's no longer the big thing, but, you know, it's still my pick. I, I, I kind of think that I have to admit to myself that uh, single speeding is my favorite way to mountain bike. There, I said it. Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> now I need to ask a question. Sure. Uh, you know, one of the things that happens with single speeding is people sometimes go to what I would call an extreme. Uh, not only do they get rid of all the gears, sometimes they get rid of all of the suspension too. How far huh. gone are you? I um, I am at a point where I will never ride a mountain bike without front suspension ever again. 
Um, my, my wrists are somewhat arthritic and more than 45 minutes on a, on a rigid fork, uh, riding stops being fun. So for that reason, uh, I have an RS one on my single speed as well as on my hardtail geared bike. And I like, I like that fork just, it's just perfect for the way I ride. Easy to lock out. Lockout's good. Great for climbing on a single speed. Um, and as far as getting rid of my geared bikes, absolutely not. And in fact, I am starting to take a serious look at a full suspension mountain bike uh, as my racing rig for 2018. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm for sure not the guy who uh, snubs his nose at any kind of riding. I'm just saying that for me, uh, at some point, I got to admit that if I'm picking the single speed whenever I have a choice and I don't have a race coming up, uh, I just like single speeding. I like it best. So and right. I, I'm not even sure how I got there, but here I am. I feel like I'm in, in like I'm af- asking for acceptance, guys. guys. <laughs> You're confessing <laughs> the sin. <laughs> it does kind of have that feel to it, doesn't it? But I just do. I just like it. Uh, Hadi. I'm going to trust that you got something a little more relevant and pertinent and possibly recent. <laughs> I kind of doubt it. For a paceline pick. No? Okay, good. <laughs> um, I actually wrote this paceline pick uh, several weeks ago, but I sidelined it uh, because in between writing it and when I was going to rec- when we were going to record it, uh, the tragedy in Las Vegas hit, the terrible shooting. Um, and I didn't think it was appropriate to even talk about Las Vegas at the time. Um, first of all, I think the pace I would like to say, and cause we really haven't addressed Las Vegas at all. Uh, we send our best wishes to ever, anyone who's affected by that. You know, Las Vegas is not known as a cycling town, but it did open its arms to Interbike, welcomed it. When we were there, we seemed kind of like misfits as cyclists in that town, but it was still a fun place to be. I never got, uh, I would never heard an unkind word directed at me. I never got yelled at for being a cyclist or riding my bike anywhere there. So for that, I'll always be grateful to Las Vegas. And again, we, I hope everything is, is getting better there and people are finding a way to get over what was a very terrible tragedy there in Las Vegas. Now, with that said, when the pit bosses in Vegas heard that Interbike was riding out of town, they probably said, yeah, so what? The dealers, the cocktail waitresses who worked the tables, the house in general probably just shrugged their collective shoulders. Go ahead, take your bikes and your tight little shorts and go to Reno. What do we care? The times I went to Interbike, every time I made that walk through the casino on my way to the convention floor, I would take a glance at who was playing, and it always would surprise me to spot someone in a Shimano t-shirt or a pair of baggies or cute little colorful socks putting their hard-earned money into a slot machine or doubling down on a pair of fives. Yes, it was rare to see my fellow conventioneers sitting at a blackjack table or spinning that roulette wheel. Oh, we take our chances. We gamble with our skin and limbs by bombing down dirt and paved descents at breakneck speeds. But when it comes to taking a chance with that 20 in our pocket, we put the training wheels on. Cyclists simply aren't the gambling types. I'm no better. In my half dozen trips to Interbike, I probably gambled away 10 bucks sitting at a bar playing electronic poker or something. Oh, I did once help a friend place a bet in a sports book on a big fight that was in town the same weekend as Interbike. Speaking of sports books, Vegas sports books do give odds on the Tour de France. Chris Froome was 5 to 6 to win, Richie Porte 2 to 1, Marcel Kittel 1000 to 1. In Japan, Wagering on Kieran races is very popular. And in Great Britain, of course, you can place a bet on all kinds of bike racing. Hell, they probably give you odds on the local crit race or your kid's tricycle race. The sport I came from, golf, is steeped in gambling. And look, that game needs it. Without something on the line, you could go to sleep out there on the fairways. We had all sorts of ways to keep things going. Games like $2 Nassau, Skins, Birdies, Sandies, Snakes, Garbage, Greenies. We had bets on bets called Presses. Golfers call all of this action, and they have to have it because their sport doesn't provide much action. (laughs) Maybe cycling needs some side games and wagering. I mean, why not put down a few bucks for that town sprint? You think you can take my KOM? Ten bucks says you can't. You know, spice things up a little. Or, and this is where my pace on pick finally comes to fruition, you could combine 
a little of the casino, and cycling history. I recently received a gift from my good friend Nikki Campbell. The gift was a deck of cards called Cycling Stars. The deck is made up of 30 legends of cycling. Mercs, Pontani, Sean Kelly, Cavendish, Tomac. And yes, there's an Armstrong card in that deck. Each cyclist is assigned a point value in six categories. Panache, notoriety, wins, climbing, sprinting, and toughness. All the cards are dealt evenly to the players face down. Each player then turns up their top card so only they can see it. The leadoff player then picks from one of the six categories on the card in their hand. For instance, if I was holding Cadell Evans, I would pick his top category of climbing where he scores a 79. The other players then must also use the climbing category of the card they are holding. Whoever has the highest score gets all the cards from that hand. And the winner of the game is whoever ends up with all the cards. Obviously, there's opportunity for wagering here. You could place a value on each hand. There could be a pot for the overall. Players could also have side bets on specific categories like who had the most sprinting points. Now that's a green jersey. So my pace on pick is Cycling Stars, the card game. Maybe the Reno casinos will get wise and set up a few tables for Interbike Week. <laughs> Good stuff. And I believe that is a wrap for this episode of The Pace Line. If you haven't been to iTunes to rate us and review us, please do. And if you have, thanks. We owe you a poll. For Hadi and Patrick, I'm Fatty. You've been listening to The Pace Line. My cat is in my lap and just meowed. <laughs> oh. And I got a dog who's barking like a maniac downstairs, so...